0: What's going on, City First? Happy Father's Day. I want to give a special shout out to all the dads out there. You could spend your weekend doing anything, but you've decided to give us 60 minutes, and we are so grateful for that. So wherever you are watching this message from, my hope and prayer is that today's message would be encouraging. Um, Over the past couple of weeks, uh, I would say that there has been a heaviness in the air. Not just the past couple of weeks. I would even say 2020 has really felt that way I, I have searched for the words to accurately describe what twenty twenty and the past few weeks have felt like and and if I could come up with two words to describe them I, I would use these two words: burdensome and exhausting burdens, burdensome and exhausting and and, and i, I it 's like when we we see each other, there is this heaviness that can kind of we, we could just feel it. And, and it's, not just, it's not just like the, the ones that we feel ourselves. We could see it on other people. And in fact, a lot of our conversations can end up being, well, who's got a heavy er burden? Uh, two weeks ago, Jen and Jared did a fantastic message. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back and check it out. Um, they did a message called Our Burden to Build. And in that message, uh, they shared this. A burden from God does two things. Number one, A burden calls you to prayer. Number two, a burden calls you to action. This week, I want to piggyback on that message with a talk I've entitled, Their Burden to Share. It is derived from a verse found in the book of Galatians. Paul, who was a prominent leader over many first century churches, wrote this to Christ followers in Galatia around 50 AD. This Is what he says. He says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. The first part of this verse sounds great. It's nice. I think we'd all agree that's a good idea. But it's almost as if Paul is letting us know that we really can't do that until we believe that we aren't the center of the universe. He wrote, share each other's burden. This can be challenging, especially when we're carrying some of our own burdens. When I'm carrying a burden, it's hard for me to see anything but my burden burden. How can I help you when I don't feel like I can really help myself? How can I help you with bills when I can barely pay my own? How can I console you when I feel like more of the victim? Paul said, share each other's burden, but it's hard to share each other's burdens if we're more likely to compare each other's burdens. We do this in our marriages, right? Where we compare workloads and division of labor in our homes. We do this with coworkers. We do this with our friends. Doesn't this fit the description of most of our experiences with social media? People arguing about their own burden more than trying to Share someone else's. I was on a Zoom call recently, weren't we all? Uh, I was on the Zoom call with a, a bunch of African Americans, and we were just all kind of processing of, in a healthy way of like, man, all right, what, what's been happening with the news, and what can we actually do about it? And we were kind of checking in with each other, and and part of that 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 exercise, part of that experience for me was me stepping outside. Of my own experience with it, and going, man, how how is how are other people processing what what's happening here? And, and and one guy on on the Zoom call, it was just like, man, you know what, like, you know, I I think we're all good. We're like, ma, I don't know, I I, I don't know that we are, but you, it, it's interesting that when we all got on there, we were all just trying to share each other's burdens. And, and, and when um, this gentleman, when he had said, man, we were all good, he, he was speaking to, to one part of his life. But then he opened up about another part of his life where someone that same day had died in his family. And all of a sudden we all went, oh, there's a, there's a new burden on the horizon. And again, what we're doing is we are sharing. Something powerful can happen when we gather together and everyone shows up. With the mentality that it's their burden I'm here to help them carry. When we can step outside of ourselves for a moment and go, man, what's going on with you that maybe you can't carry on your own? Here's where I'd like to take us today. I'm hoping that we can arrive at a destination where we're not choosing your burden over mine or my burden over yours, Being able to sit with each other and share our burdens. In case uh, you missed the announcement, we've actually relaunched in-person life groups where we're encouraging everyone adhering to local CDC guidelines of gatherings to get in a life group. We want everyone to use wisdom in doing so, washing hands in groups of 10 or less in Illinois, Florida, Florida. Y'all are living the dream, but considering we're talking about small groups, 10 or less people is probably wise for you as well. Today, we want you to consider safely joining a life group. If you're leading the group, sanitize your home. If you're going to someone else's house, BYOL, bring your own Lysol, okay? Like we want to do this in a safe manner, but it's important that we have community during this time because... What this does for you and for me is it gives us the opportunity to share our burdens. Here's what I absolutely believe about life groups. Life groups give us the opportunity to divide our sorrows and multiply our joys. Man, I bet there's some good things happening in your life that you haven't been able to celebrate. And I bet you might be carrying a weight today that you haven't been able to share with someone else. That's why life groups are so important. This may have been one of the loneliest seasons any of us have ever experienced given the circumstances of COVID-19. But I want you to be encouraged today and know that it doesn't have to stay that way. When I think about sharing someone's burden and laying my own down to be able to do that, I can only think of one person who modeled that effectively. And his name is Jesus. There's a beautiful story I want to talk to you about today that I believe can give us the strength and motivation to do what Jesus did in sharing someone else's burden. It's found in John chapter 11. It says this, it says, in the village of Bethany, there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her Long hair. One day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. So his sister sent a message to Jesus Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. When he heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus. But will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the son of God by what takes place. Finally, on the third day, he said to his disciples, come, it's time to go to Bethany. But teacher, they said to him, do you really want to go back there? It was just a short time ago. The people of Judea were going to stone you. Have you ever felt broken over something you care deeply about and your friend was completely apathetic? What about God? Have you ever felt like God was distant from your pain? What we know for sure from this text is that Jesus's life was in danger because of Judea. It feels like Jesus is on the most wanted poster. Um, The text goes on to say this. Then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's time that I go and awaken him. When they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he has just fallen asleep, then he'll get better. Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. They thought he was just taking a nap. Then Jesus made it plain to them and said, Lazarus is dead. Okay, And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go and see him. So Thomas, nicknamed the twin, remarked to the other disciples, let's go so that we can die with him. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible because Thomas keeps it all the way 100. Thomas doesn't have many lines in scripture. But this one is iconic in my book. In his mind, he says, all right, y'all, let's go die with Jesus. This has just now turned into a suicide mission. And then verse 32 says, this says, when Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears. I said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping, at his feet, and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. He said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus's face. And then Jesus, with intense motions, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now, his body is already decomposing. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of that tomb. Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes. Tightly wrapped around his hands and feet and covering his face. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him loose. I love Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I love me some Jesus. I love every type of Jesus we see. I love baby Jesus. I love baptism. Jesus. I love water to wine, Jesus. I love feeding 5,000 people, Jesus. I love opening blind eyes, Jesus. I love walking on water, Jesus. Sleeping on the boat, Jesus, was dope. Don't we all love flipping tables, Jesus? I'm eternally grateful for resurrection, Jesus. But historically, if I'm honest, I've always struggled with Weeping, Jesus? Like, what you mean? <laughs> I mean, in the ESV, it says, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Then it says, and he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then in that moment, we get the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. He saw her weeping, and it moved him to do the same. It doesn't say Jesus cried. It says Jesus wept. Have you ever seen somebody I'm talking boo-hoo-hoo, crying snot coming out. He wept. It's hard for me to even imagine Jesus doing that. I mean, if I was Jesus... And I showed up late to a funeral, knowing full well I had the ability to raise Lazarus from the dead. And we can see that that was his plan all along. It wouldn't have been no, it would have been a party. I would have come in there being the most encouraging person at the tomb. Mary, Martha, come on now, quit playing. Listen, stop all that crying. We good. Why don't we all go around and tell our favorite story about good old Lazarus? Jesus, the man with all the power. And all the answers felt their pain before he tried to fix their pain. It's hard for us to feel people's pain. Most of us try to fix before we feel. Let's say your coworker drops a bombshell on you. She tells you some bad news. Maybe it's her husband's cheating on her. Maybe it's about a divorce. Maybe their relative has a terminal illness. She's devastated. And you... Paralyzed. Time stops for a brief moment as you frantically search for the right words to say. You want to be caring, you want to be helpful, but you often don't know how. You ever been there? I know I have. It can be challenging to know what to do in these situations. You want to say the right thing, and yet our well-meaning responses can sometimes backfire, make someone who is hurting actually feel worse. Why? Because we haven't been taught how to show empathy. I think sometimes we're good at showing sympathy. And I I want us to understand the difference between empathy and sympathy. Because I used to think that you could only offer empathy if you had gone through the same or similar experience as another person. Now, while that certainly helps, that's not what empathy is about. I want to break down the difference for you. Empathy is feeling with someone. The actual definition of the word says the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. But sympathy, however, is feeling sorry for someone. The definition says feelings of pity and sorry for someone else's misfortune. Can you see the difference? When we are struggling, we long for empathy. When we're carrying a burden, we long for empathy. Yet what we often get instead is sympathy. After all, offering sympathy is easier. It's easy to pity someone else's struggle. We can all do that. But the harder and better thing is trying to understand someone else's pain. Uh, When my wife was pregnant with our most recent child, who's one years old, so that would be... uh, Let's see, uh, 18, 19 months ago, uh, we were, you know, going to all of the doctor's visits, getting ready for the birth of, of our second son. And my wife is no joke when it comes to doing her research on on doctors and and uh, four-star review. I mean, she looked up everybody. She wanted to know everything about the doctor, how they treat people, how they talk to people, you know. And so, I, and I'm, I just go. I just show out here, I'm here to support you, whatever we need, you know, I signed some stuff. Like, it, can he? Can, is he helpful? Like, does he bring babies out? Okay, that, that's all I want. I don't have that many questions. My wife got a thousand questions. So I'll never forget. We were in there, and uh, this guy—he's got the highest reviews in North Dallas. I'm like, all right, that's cool. And his his uh, head nurse comes in, and she's telling us uh, some stories about the doctor. My wife says, "Why does he have such good reviews?" And I will never forget what. His head nurse says, she said this, he's the best doctor in town because after 20 years in the medical field, he hasn't lost his compassion. He hasn't lost his compassion. The ability and empathy to go, I get it. I, I understand to, to be in the moment. Because you know, after 20 years, you can be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody kind of says the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody kind of, yeah, yeah. I know you're hurt. Like, and you you felt that before being at a doctor's office, right? But what made him good, no one, what made him good was not his expertise. What made him good was his ability to empathize with his patients. So today, here's what I, I, I want to do. I want to give us four things that I believe are required for us to effectively share our burdens. Number one, authenticity. Authenticity. You know what I love is that Jesus remained himself. Mary and Martha have sent word to Jesus about the one he loves, Jesus. Lazarus has a particular reputation for being one of your favorites. Surely you will come and hook him up. People always had an agenda for Jesus and grandiose ideas of what he should do for them and when and how, but Jesus was laser focused on the agenda God had set before him. We have to be careful, ladies and gentlemen, of getting so frustrated when people don't care about the things we care about in the way that we care about them. Whenever we face a crisis, We always find ourselves struggling to find the right words to say or the right words to post, but it's possible to have the right words without the right heart. It's possible to have the right words without the right type of thinking. It was my wife and I's seven-year anniversary uh, last weekend, and I ordered a gift that gave me the option of crafting a gift message. And next to it, it said, Struggling with what to say Here's some ideas. And here was one of the ideas. They said, you should put this on the card. You can't spell quarantine without you are a cutie. You are a cutie. And I was like, man, you know, that's kind of corny but clever, right? Like, you can't spell quarantine without you are a cutie. The only problem with it is my wife would absolutely know I didn't write it. Words mean less when they don't come from the heart. I'd rather have someone who doesn't care at all, and I know that's the true them, than to to have someone who's pretending to care, and we know it isn't true. There are moments when I'm watching public figures read these statements, and I'm thinking, who wrote this for you? They could have at least made it sound like you or a human being was actually saying it. Listen, if your heart is truly broken for a cause, It'll show in your everyday life, not just in a social media post. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to encourage us. we got to be real in the times that we live in. We've got to be authentic. Man, sometimes people are like, man, I don't know what to say. Well, then say, I don't know what to say. But trying to pretend, I think we've got to be authentic to say, man, you know what? Sometimes when you're sitting with somebody in life, you, sometimes when you're doing life with somebody, you go, I don't know how to fix this. Man, would you help me help you? Help me share your burden. I, 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 I just want to be here, which leads me to, to number two, which is proximity. Jesus showed up, not in the way they wanted him to, but he still showed up. And scripture tells us when he saw her weeping, something changed in him. He didn't weep when he found out about Lazarus, when they simply told him about the death of his friend. But when he saw someone else's pain, it became his. Have you ever had a friend tell you they were getting divorced and you responded, what? Are you serious? I didn't even know you were having issues. The reason you didn't know is because, well, you don't live with them. This is why being in a life group is so important, ladies and gentlemen, because it gives us more proximity to each other. I was talking with an older pastor the other day about accountability. And I told him, I said, hey, man, you got permission to call me out on something. If you, if you see something you don't like, I want you to say something to me. And he said, I'm honored that you'd asked me to do that. And I'd love to do that. But for me to be able to do that effectively, I would have to have more proximity to actually see your world enough to see something that was out of line. How can we carry each other's burdens if we're not close enough to see them in the first place? Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be hard to understand burdens we aren't close to. It's going to be hard to understand our kids' burdens if we don't get close to the world. We often dismiss that which we cannot understand. Whenever I hear someone share an opinion, I often wonder who they've shared a meal with. Who you break bread with will often determine your perspective. If you can't feel someone else's pain, it's probably because you aren't close to it. Here's a couple questions I want to ask. Is there someone in your life you need to get closer to? Is there someone different than you that you need to get a meal with? The third thing that I believe is required for us to effectively share each other's burdens is number three, humility. Humility. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus wept. How embarrassing would it be for a warrior to weep? Let alone a God. You've walked on water. You've turned water into wine. You've fed 5,000 people. You've opened up blind eyes. You are the all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent son of the living God. You can't be seen weeping. But for Jesus, it's completely different. When he came to the planet, he emptied himself to take on the form of a man. He was humble enough not to care about how weeping would make him look. It was just important for him to show up for his friends. Is it possible that we're uncomfortable with sharing others' burdens because we're afraid of how it might make us look? Do we live with the pressure of being a know-it-all and we're afraid that we don't know it all and we're, we would look stupid? One of the things I've just committed to doing in this season of my life is just doing more listening than talking. And I talk for a living. And I've just tried to put myself in a position where it's just like, man, if there's something I don't know, well, then I don't know it. And if that makes me look bad, so what? I'd rather be honest and, and, and live in a way where it's like, you know what? I don't have to live with this pressure to be an expert on everything. Whenever we're trying to share someone else's burden, I think a rule of thumb is to never assume anything. Never assume anything. Now here here's a question that I think is 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 is, is, is a great place to start because again, you're putting yourself in the position of learning about this person uh, that you're trying to share their burden is ask them this question. Hey, how are you processing? How are you processing? Man, you know, someone else asked me this week that I thought was excellent. They said, hey, what conversations are you having right now? Uh, hey, Somebody else said, what's the most meaningful thing someone said or done for you in the last month? What it is, is, it, is it's we're, we're, we're trying to be people that's, that are going, man, you know what? It's, it's their burden. And I'm not the expert on it. Because when, when it's their burden, be the student, not the expert. I'm just here to share it. And that doesn't mean I understand it, but I want to. Uh, There's an African-American friend of mine. I reached out to him last week. I said, hey, this is exactly what I said. I said, I can't imagine what it's like to be you. Why? My children are one, I don't know, one-eighth Mexican, uh, three-eighths Puerto Rican, half black. The conversations I have with them are not the same as my friend that has three African-American children. And for him, the way he was processing things is just going to look differently than mine because of how I'm parenting and the world in which I live in. And again, I'm not just going to jump in categories. No, each and every person is processing it completely different. I had a Caucasian mom reach out to me who said, hey, here's the deal. I, me and my husband, we adopted an African American son and we don't really know what to say or how to explain what's happening. Can, can you help us? Every person is processing it a little bit different. And I think us, if we're going to effectively share each other's burdens, we've got to be people that put ourselves in the position of a student, not the expert. And lastly, I think the thing that we have to do when we're sharing each other's burdens is activity. Show them, don't just tell them. Show and tell. Everyone is different. There's no one size fits all for how to show someone love. But here's a great rule of thumb. Ask yourself, what would you want if it was your burden? If it was your burden, what would you want? Maybe that means sitting by their side while you guys have a Netflix marathon. Maybe it's going for a run with them. Maybe that means you, you mow a lawn or do some laundry. Maybe you just write them a, a note to, to let them know how much you care. But here's what I to encourage you to do. Don't ask what you can do to help. Just do something. Have you ever noticed that whenever someone uh, loses a loved one or is going through a hard time, our natural response is often, hey, let me know if you need anything. Let me know if you need anything. At some point, we have to ask ourselves, how many times have they actually let us know I mean, what do you need when you're carrying a burden? Sometimes your burden is so heavy, you forget to eat. So sometimes you need a meal. Sometimes what will make your day is a gift card, a text message, a phone call. It sounds like common sense to say, do for others as you would want them to do for you. The longer I live, the more I've learned that common sense isn't all that common. My hope and prayer for us is that we find ourselves seeing the burdens of others and that our hearts would be broken for other people. May we not see ourselves as so important that we can't share each other's burdens. I can't think of a better time in life to consider joining an in-person small group than right now. The number one priority with restarting in-person and in-home life groups, again, is the safety of those who are attending the group as well as those opening in their homes. If a member of your group is experiencing COVID-19 symptoms of any kind, or has been around anyone with that diagnosis in the last 14, 14 days, we'd ask them to join the, the group remotely, via video avenues, Zoom them in, FaceTime them in. Again, we're just asking that all gatherings adhere to local CDC guidelines, restrictions, and gathering size suggestions. The reality for you and me is that throughout this time, each and every one of us is going to have some burdens. My hope and prayer is that you would be surrounded by some godly men and women in your life that can say, hey, let's share this. It's not about mine or yours, it's about ours. Can you imagine what would happen if we all gathered together and we're sitting in the living room and we're all just going, man, how can we all carry this load together? My hope and prayer is in those moments that we would be incredibly honest and that we would position ourselves as the students of other people's burdens to be able to understand them and share them. God, I thank you so much for each and every person watching this message, wherever they're watching from. God, I pray that you would orchestrate their steps, that they would have a group of people that they could share their burdens with. Lord, help us to be students more than experts. In Jesus' name I pray. Body his